When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Monday night or Tuesday morning and welcome to the Anglo-Italian pod after a hectic footballing weekend and a hectic Monday, we are ready to take you through the football in action across Serie A and the Premier League. As always, my name is Rory and I'm joined by my very good friend, Adam. Hey Rory, a fantastic day of footballing news. Uh, I think... uh... Us, we were kind of rejoicing at Man City's news that came out this morning. Um, but then we were brought down to worlds in terms of learning about Leeds United and potentially Southampton sacking their managers. So, uh, yes, we've got that plus the famous Derby della Mendadina even and uh, Inter confirming a fantastic result against AC Milan. Pioli looks in trouble, doesn't he, mate? That was, there was a lot of depressing scenes across this weekend. I think the Milan Mm. performance tops it off. That first (laughs) half from Milan was absolutely woeful. The first thing I did was I walked into class. um, I've got like an an advanced group of adults and one of them is a a Milan Mm. fan. And I was like, hey, Jojo, how was your weekend? He just looked at me. He was like, next question. I was like, oh, (laughs) no, he just like did not want to talk about it. I was like, Okay, so apart from the football, how was your weekend? It was terrible. Okay, good, right, moving on. There was definitely like a a split in the classroom Mm. between like the smiling faces and the pissed off faces. (laughs) Um, But I think they had a right to be annoyed. We'll get onto it, but Milan were terrible. Um, We do also need to talk Premier League. As you said, um, it's kind of, how do they say uh, goodbye in America? Goodbye in American to uh, Jesse Marsh. Um, we may be seeing the last of Nathan Jones as he sets his career on fire. But on the pitch, we do actually have Sean Dyche's back. Yeah. We called it on the pod. I said the wrong minute. I said the third minute, but I did say Tarkovsky header. Um, <laughs> and we have, what else? Pep Guardiola overthinking things, overthinking to the point of damaging himself again as they continue their goalless streak yes. at the armitage shanks arena in north london um but i think that's everything adam how was your weekend it was good thank you uh saw wickham win three nil comprehensively Oof. over port vale which was beautiful to oh, see good uh, lads yes good lads. love Local it love it especially for you especially for that, you yeah. yeah you'll take it in burslem surely um <laughs> but yes um otherwise uh good family trip in cadbury world so uh yes i'm feeling a few stone heavier since that journey but yes pictures man was that the yes. one in birmingham i think it is yes yes lots of chocolate <laughs> yeah. bought home with me so uh oh, yes nice. i'm gonna have to work it off on wednesday when i play football that's for sure yeah. but yeah 
Good weekend. No. How about yours? Um, yeah, it was good. Beautiful weather in Milan. So I took a walk around, did a, uh, did a couple of art galleries yesterday. Um, nice. If you're ever in Milan and you happen to be the first, it happens to be the first weekend of the month, a lot of art galleries are free. So as long as you don't mind queuing, you can just go in. So we went to a really cool photography exhibition. It was really nice. And walked around the city. I just love this city in the sun. It's really, really beautiful. Mm. Um, a little bit cold, but it was beautiful. But guys, we are going to go to a very, very quick break. And on the other side, we are going to be talking all things Serie A. I'm stalling to find a transition. <laughs> Here we are. Ciao. Come stai? It's time for Serie A. And of course, there's only one place to start. And it is the fact that Milan is in fact black and blue. If you had any doubts before, there are no doubts anymore. Adam, what did you make of this of this performance? We kind of alluded to Milan. Mm. Should we look at Milan, then we'll look at Inter? Yes, why not? Why not? So... Um... Milan, you have to say, purely did try and shake it up. He gave it a go by changing the formation. Um, obviously, mm. it didn't seem like the players were well drilled on that formation because he played a 3-5-2, very much reliant on, obviously, the wingers or wing backs to kind of contribute here. And not at any point did it feel like it was going that way, especially when you consider they're very used to playing one-touch football, not being direct with the ball. And the likes of Origi and Giroud really didn't have much to work on. Um, mm. And that said, obviously, every time in that first half Milan got the ball, they kind of gave it directly back to Inter players who were pretty much camped in their own half. So it was very difficult uh, for, I suppose, Milan to do anything in that circumstance. I didn't think Pioli got the personnel right. Krunchic, for example, I, I, I didn't understand that. Um, and when he did make the substitution, I think it was on the 51st minute, bringing off Origi and Calabria off, there seemed to be a little bit more balance to the play. But by that mm. point, they'd already lost. Um, having said that, Milan did have some chances, right? Um, free kicks mainly. Mm -hmm. But even then, they weren't even threatening, despite the fact that they were in the best place possible if someone would have taken it with a bit more intent, right? Giroud's yeah. effort went wide. I think it was Tonali with the other one. It just just terrible day for Milan overall. Um, I mean, it's proven by the XG in the first half, zero, because there was zero chances for them. Um, and Tatarasana was the best player, um, ironically. Yeah. You know, <laughs> he was slated in the last pods. And I've got a fantastic stat for you, uh, Rory. He's uh, faced 16 XG shots against him this season, conceded 22 goals in the process. Um, so he is only w worse in differential against Rio Patizio. His save percentage is also the third worst in the league. Um, despite this, though, obviously best player on the pitch for Milan by miles because had he not saved a lot of the opportunities from Inter, in particular that kind of half chance that Martinez mm. had, it could have been worse. And, mm. you know, even the one that got ruled off for offside was very tight. It has to be said, I think on another day that gets given. But Rory, your thoughts on Milan? 
Yeah, I thought like from the beginning, as you said, the lineup was really strange. You could see what the game plan was, mm. counter-attack, get in or on the break, but then you leave Leao on the pitch, your best ball you leave Leao on the bench, your best ball carrier and best threat on the break. I found that really, really odd from Purely. Um you're right, the midfield three was really strange. I think mm. Tonali can't do it all on his own, but Messias, I don't see him as a central midfielder. I see him I think he's been better in other positions further up the pitch as that kind of yeah. winger cutting inside that attacking threat. I feel like having him in the central midfield really didn't work. Um, I, again, I know what Pioli is trying to do, but I think when you're coming into a big game, trying to implement a new system in that big game, it's only going to go one way. Even if what you've been doing hasn't necessarily worked, I think it's safer to stick with what you know, but try to do it better than to try and go, right, let's just tear it all up for our biggest game of the season. I think you could just see that they were taught, like stuck between two stools and mm. just it just didn't work. I think Kronich, I've never really been impressed by. I think he was just kind of bypassed in this match completely. Yeah. Um, and I think even with like, so you look at the attacking lineup, um, Origi and Giroud up front. Okay, Origi is the quicker of the two i suppose but he's not exactly yeah. like lightning quick i think you need no. for those two to have they're both also the strikers that need a lot of chances i think like they're not mm. really the type of striker to have one chance and score maybe Giroud more than uh, origi but i think like they both need you to be creating lots of chances and milan were creating nothing i think it was just a really mm. it was an experiment that did not work for purely um on the wing backs teo hernandez was not his typical self he absolutely no. shrank in this game usually he's the one like driving the aggressiveness getting in everyone's face bringing everyone up with him by him being such a wanker and he wasn't doing that and you could just see like i think there was a clip of barella doing like keepy uppies yeah. Um, where he like took the ball down on his shoulder, kind of flicked it, kept kicking it, and Tails behind him. And you'd expect Tail to just clean him just, out because that's usually yeah. what he does. And he's just chasing him. Like it just there wasn't that it didn't seem like there was that intensivity from any of the players, really. Yeah. Um, but the wing backs offered nothing. But then on that same hand, we have to say that was largely because Inter were the much better team. <laughs> like, yeah. but they they didn't have to be that good. But they were still good. I think they could have been more yeah. clinical. As you said, it should have been by more goals. 1-0 definitely flatters Milan more than it does Inter, I think. Yeah. Um, and I think Inter still need to get better at creating clear-cut chances. They need mm. to get better at yeah. getting those. Like Because I think, yeah, Tatarasanu made some big saves. But if you look at the balance of play and how much into were in Milan's half, they should have been making him work more. Yeah, I think. definitely. Um, so I think when they come up against teams that are in better form and are like, you know, your Napoli's, etc., yeah, you exactly. need to be more clinical. So it's still something that needs to be worked on for Inter. But again, that being said, Martinez post-World Cup is unbelievable. Oh. He has been like at the World Cup, we were all kind of like laughing and being like, oh man, this has not been his tournament. He's going to come back and be a broken man. Mm. He had his big moments in that tournament, yeah. scoring the winning penalty in the semi-final, right? I yeah. think he definitely, and he rightly did, he earned that World Cup medal, you know what I mean? He played every game, yeah. almost played every minute. I think he's come back and it's just given him this huge boost. I think all the Argentinian players that have come back have <laughs> yes. been fantastic since they came back. Like Martinez at United has been unbelievable. McAllister yeah. at Brighton, like, and you can just keep going. And I think it's just great to see Martinez doing so well. 
really well taken header should have had a second as you said with the offside but who apart from martinez you can talk about martinez as well i suppose <laughs> but who impressed you from into the most Oh, I mean, yeah, Martinez, you have to give him a shout. I thought Milan Skriniar had a very good game. I thought he was, given the circumstances, right? And I think there's a bit of context to give that before the match, he gave a interview to the Kurva Nord um, in their kind of publication because he felt it was his due. And it was interesting reading about he didn't get booed when his name got announced. And I think that obviously that confidence that Inzaghi instilled with him as well helped him in this match. And you could see he just seemed like all the stresses of the previous matches have gone by the wayside. He seemed that Milan screener that we've been used to seeing. So I thought that was fantastic because if there was going to be a weak point, potentially Milan could have got at him, but they didn't. And it really didn't matter. Um, the other one I want to call out is Chenananoglu, who I thought was very good, um, really teased Milan with some of the set plays. I thought he was superb in that midfield marshalling as well, because I think, you know, the likes of Tonali were kicking out a few times, you know, trying to like maybe agitate the other players, um, but it really didn't bite on this occasion. I think only Mikatarian got a yellow card, really. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the one thing that I would say that I was probably frustrated at from an Inter perspective was the performance of Barella, because we know he can do amazing things, right? But I thought he had a very hot and cold game. There was a few times where he was dilly-dallying with the ball, almost gave it away about twice. There was one mm. time where on the halfway line, Giroud kind of clamps him down and then almost breaks away from that opportunity. Mm-hmm. There was another one in the second half where he gave it away and I think it needed a tackle from the likes of Skriniar to stop it. And I think it was uh, one of those instances that basically meant that it was a free kick on the edge of the area, which Giroud then hit over. Mm. So from that point of view, I think he was frustrating. I was shouting certainly a few times for Inzaki mm-hmm. to take him off because he was frustrating me. Um, but yeah, I think it was such a great performance from Inter. I mean, it kind of instills a bit more confidence. I don't know whether you feel the same way, but it almost feels like if Inter can perform like that, they certainly have second place sewn up in the bag. Um, I know it's probably too early to say because they'll fuck it up next weekend, but this is just the Inter way, right? Well, of all the teams in the top six, they've lost the most games. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> they, it's very much feast or famine for Inter. They've won 14, drawn <laughs> one, and lost six. six so, like, yeah. if they don't win, they lose. Like, So, I think... It's still very much Pazza Inter and it's definitely in mm. their hands, if you know what I mean. But I think this like puts them up to second, 43 points, still 13 points behind Napoli. But like it's in- insane every time you look at it. But like then now that puts them, sorry, um, five points safely into the top four ahead of Atalanta, who of course dropped points this weekend. So mm. I think Inter, that is such a huge win. Milan down in sixth now below Atalanta on 38 points as well. They're lucky that there's an eight point gap between them and yeah. Torino. They're very, very lucky because I can't see them starting to pick up points anytime soon or not on a consistent basis. I think they might get an odd win here and odd win there, but I can't see them being consistent. And I think that eight point gap will save them from dropping out. Because if that mm. was smaller, Torino were starting to put things together and could could yes. be catching them up. I just think that's a little bit too far. Um, mm. But into a huge win for them. Yeah, I think Onana's now played Milan twice, not conceded in either of them. I 
I think he didn't even have to wash his kit after the match yesterday. <laughs> I think he can wear it again next weekend. He I just he... watched the entire game. The he only the time he got it dirty was in the last few minutes where he decided to jump down with the ball and just cover it. I think yeah. that's the only time he got it yeah, wet yeah. or dirty in that sense. But And that was I... when, I think it was DeVry who turned around and shouted out and get down. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, we need to waste time. Like, yeah, he, he had the best seat in the house. Um, But what it did make me, watching it, I was like, it's been a while since I've been to a Milan derby. And unsurprisingly, the last couple of years, it's got harder and harder to get tickets. I can imagine, both teams yeah. are doing well again. Uh, when I got here, neither team were doing well and the tickets <laughs> were very easy to get. Uh, but it did make me miss going to the stadium. Um, it did make me miss the Milan derbies. The atmosphere looked incredible. The choreographies mm. were amazing. Oh, Inter's first. choreography was oh. just insane. Um, I, it just... It, I was kind of debating this with the misses. I was like, this is the biggest game in Italy, I think. Yeah. This is like the one that most people from around the world would be like, oh, I'm going to watch the Milan derby. I think more than into Juve, more than like Juve Napoli, whatever, it'd be yeah. like, I'm going to watch the Milan derby. And it just felt like a big occasion, even though Milan weren't where they have been. Um, yes. But yeah, great for Inzaghi. I think his record against Milan is kind of, well, it's better now. I don't think yeah. it was outstanding before this. Um, and for Pioli, he is quite lucky there's no other outstanding candidates at the minute because I think otherwise Milan would be pulling the trigger. But I think we're going to see him stay until the end of the season at least. I think as long as they are in the European places, he stays in the job, I think. Mm. If that eight-point yes. gap is overturned, then he's definitely out of a job, I think. Um, but I also think, just very quickly before we move on, mm -hmm. Is there a thing with Leao now? It feels like it's become a thing. And there's a lot of clubs around the world who have been sniffing, mainly Chelsea, because they're sniffing at everything. Of course they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've heard Chelsea have been linked. Um, <laughs> but Leao, it feels like there's a thing now. And as he came off the pitch yesterday, now I know like the camera's focused on him. He's going to look pissed off because he's just lost the game. But it, I couldn't help but feel there's a like there's a dynamic going there now. And Pioli's maybe picked a fight with the wrong person. What do you think? I do feel like, based on yesterday, I, I don't think he's the same Leal that we've been used to seeing for the last mm. sort of 18 months. Like he, There's something that's definitely changed. Um, I can't really put what it is that's suddenly changed this kind of performance because we've seen this drop off since I want to say since October where he's been very inconsistent, yeah. hot and cold. And then it's just been just poor, just poor to the point that it kind of justifies purely dropping him. But mm -hmm. then at the same time, you kind of go, he's the only man that's going to change this team in terms of run off the likes of Giroud's flick ons mm -hmm. or, you know, create that one opportunity that makes the difference in the match. And I, you could see by his frustration, he took it out on, I want to say, oh, he got booked, yeah, 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 he yeah. did some stupid fouls. And it, it's not looking pretty. If I was one of those clubs now, I'd be kind of going, what's this hype all about? Like, mm, this yeah. guy just doesn't show it at the moment. And justifiably so, um, I think he could probably benefit from someone else around him right mm -hmm. now, to be fair. I think it just feels like Purely's kind of name is going to be out of the door at Milan. Um, and unfortunately, that could be for the benefit of Liao as well. But then Milan, Milan really needs the cash, don't they? It just looks so evident that he's going to be mm -hmm. sold. It's just going to be a question of who's going to stump it up. Could it be PSG? I don't know. 
I don't know, but PSG is a very good shout, I think. But also, I think just Leao, even on a bad day, he's that player that worries defenders and gives yeah. the team someone to think about. Exactly. Like, even if he's not touched the ball for 70 minutes, every defender on that side is going, just keep an eye on him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like, exactly. So he just give it. Whereas yesterday, Inter were just like, okay, Giroud's there, Origi's there, cool, right. Yeah. Sweet, let's just play the ball. Like, and it, they didn't have anything to worry about. And I think Leao gives you that that focus to worry on. Um, so I think, yeah, it was a strange one from Pioli, but as you said, his form has been terrible and Pioli has to tell him, you're not undroppable, mate. Like, and I, yeah, so exactly. I think it's a really interesting power um, power play that's going on there and it'll be, mm. I think we know who's going to win, but yeah. um, it'll be interesting to watch play out. But we do need to move on from the Milan derby. Yes. Um, Al Gordi in turn, incredible win, incredible win for them. Uh, Dispiace, Milan, unlucky, better luck next time. But we do need to move on to, and just very quickly, because Napoli did it very quickly. Jesus Christ, <laughs> I looked yes. at the phone. I looked at, I, now I think the first 45 minutes, I thought, oh, Spezia have done really well here. They did. Defended yeah. really well, keeping Napoli at, at bay. They didn't have any chances, maybe one or two. I think Agudelo maybe had a chance. Yes. Um, but I thought that is exactly what Spezia need to do. Just keep doing this and you'll get a point. That's the dog. On within cue. two minutes, <laughs> within two minutes of the second half kicking off, they'd given away a penalty. And then I was looking at my phone because I was out for this game. I managed to watch the first half, missed the second half. I was on my phone. I was like, oh, I need Osimhen to win for the Fanta Calcio. I kept checking my phone. Oh, he's not scored. Next time I checked my phone, Osimhen too. <laughs> I was like, Jesus <laughs> Christ. He does it quickly. Napoli do it quickly. And I think they're just like that great boxer. Just bang, bang, out. Yes. Like, yeah, it, it was, was an incredibly ruthless performance, right? It was. It was. Um, obviously, the first one was the penalty decision. And obviously, Kfara steps up to score that one. But then Osimhen... First one, very good. Second one, just gifted by Dragoski. Got yeah. no idea what he was doing because the defender's like there with him. And I appreciate he probably thought he'd get like a punch to it, but it was nowhere near it. So unfortunately, it's just terrible decision-making by him. And on mm. Spezia, they did look really threatening. Agadello, as you say, I, I, I really I liked like his him. performance. I, like I thought him. he looks incredible. And I was looking at his stats this season. He does look like a player that could do a job at a top sides like yeah, Milan yeah. or for example Inter I could see him fitting in really nicely mm -hmm. he's a player that likes to take the ball you know takes his shots on goal Shmorodov as well unlucky I think he, he had a few half chances but it was more the layoffs I think that was the intelligent play that allowed Agudelo to kind of move on with the ball as well so maybe there is a faint glimmer of hope with Spezia and I think it's mm -hmm. helped by the fact that Earlier today, we saw Hellas Verona draw only one all. If they'd won that, then you were talking a three-point mm. difference then, and that could make a huge bit of difference. But Rory, I was looking at this last night, and Napoli, obviously, they've got 51 points left to play. They could basically see up the title, providing there's still this 13-point gap. They could make sure this title is confirmed by the time they play Udinese in the first week of May. So that would be at least still eight games to go. Um, they could potentially, let's say hypothetically, in to continue to lose matches and they are still a second. They could even win it even earlier against Juventus two weeks oh. earlier, potentially. We That's need that how... storyline. I'll take that storyline, please. I'll take that one. Yes, that would be, that would be incredible. Fantastic. Um, the first goal for Osimhen how high he jumps and how long he <laughs> hangs in the air is 
unbelievable. The only other player I've seen do that is Cristiano Ronaldo. Yes. Where it yeah. seems like he's floating in midair for a second. Like, yeah. Because I thought, oh, they're showing it in slow motion. I was like, oh, no, no, that's just, he's just floating in midair. Like, and he jumps so high. I thought that was like, genuinely, that as, and it was a simple header. But as yeah. athleticism goes, that's one of the most impressive goals <laughs> I've ever seen. Just the sheer strength to jump that high and hang at that that long. It blew my mind. I think Kavada, I want to thank Kavada personally because his <laughs> generosity has meant that I've won Fanta Calcio this week because he definitely could have had that goal for himself. He definitely could have had that goal for himself. But I feel like there was a really... It, um, it kind of this game showed how scouting is getting better because I think yeah. it must be a Georgian and an Uzbeki on the pitch in a major <laughs> European league. That's definitely not happened before. I don't think that's happened before. I think Shomorodov did have his um, did have his moments. He had his kind of, he had a yeah. few, when Spezia had moments, he was involved. Exactly. Um, he's a player that he didn't really work out at Roma, but when he was at Genoa before that, was it Cagliari? It was Genoa, right? Um, I thought he was, I thought he, he had a few decent goals. I was excited for him about going to Roma. I think maybe this change of scenery could be good for him. But Napoli just unbelievable they never really looked in danger and 3-0 it, it just they looked like those teams like a city not now yes. but like a city where they just effortlessly batter teams and you're like yeah. oh three nils now the new one nil it's insane exactly. um so they did go 16 points clear until in one they are on pace to break the the Serie points record they're on pace to hit 100 points no one's ever done that um it it's going to be a special season for Napoli, no matter what yes. it looks like, but it could be even specialer. And they've still got the Champions League coming up. And I'm telling you, I am putting a cheeky bit of money on them because I would. nobody, nobody wants to go and play in Naples. Nobody wants to go and no. play in Naples. Not a chance. But we do need to move on from there. Adam, which yes. game in Serie A are we going to next? Let's go to Roma. And uh, they took on Empoli. Uh, 1-2-0. Within six minutes, pretty much, Rory, it was... You know, they should have just told the Roma crowd to go home. Um, but the reason why I picked this one was because of the viral that went out after this game. And this was Empoli's goalkeeper, Vicorio, who made an incredible double slash treble save. If you look at it, technically mm -hmm. it was a treble save. And um, this guy could have been signed by Bayern Munich in the January transfer window, which I did not know about until it got announced during this game. But... Um, yeah, incredible performance by Roma. They look professional. Dybala set up Abraham's. He could have had a hat trick of headers, believe it or not, in this mm -hmm. match. Um, so Abraham looks like he's getting that confidence back. I don't know about you. Roma seem like they're a team that's now getting a bit more confidence. You know, I appreciate they haven't necessarily had the results this season, but you saw against that performance against Napoli, they can put it on. Uh, I, I don't know what you make of the like the Roma team. I know they're very indifferent when it comes to the league as well, but it seems like Marino may be prioritising the league. What, what, how do you see it? I think they're having to prioritise the league now. I think, honestly, they really wanted the Coppa Italia. They yes, really yeah. wanted the Coppa Italia, and I think they were fuming that they let themselves go out against yes. Cremonese or that Cremonese beat them. I think they're like, and Roma fans as well were like, this was ours. Yes. It was opening. I think they said it on the goal show last night. It was opening up. Fiorentina, they would have got in the next round. Mm. They kind of had a fairly easy run so far. And it was like, uh, this is like, this is the year to do it. They've yeah. not won it since Totti was playing. Like, it's a real 
real time for them to do it. And Miss. I feel like it's a missed opportunity. But now the positives are they can focus on Serie A and with the top four gap and the top four race looking so tight, it's going to come down to fine margins. It's going to come down to like performances like this. Like I was going to watch mm. this game, right? I was like, all oh, right, okay. BT Sport, they're a really annoying thing where you can't watch the first 15 minutes of games. It's really, really irritating. Um, but I didn't bother watching it because it was 2-0 within six minutes. And I was like, oh, well, game <laughs> over. Um, yeah. But I have seen the highlights. I thought um, Tammy Abraham getting it, him getting goals again is very good. But it does feel like Roma are kind of, they were wobbling a bit. But they I think were, that Milan yeah. that Milan draw that felt like a win. Yes. I think that was a really galvanizing moment for them. And they realized yeah. like we've got we've got more than this. We 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 can be doing yeah. better than we are. Um and it's good. I, I support Roma. It's good to see him doing well. I like yep. it. Um I thought Pellegrini, he gets a lot of shit from Roma fans, but he's still been one of their outstanding players. Oh, I don't he's understand been the best player. I don't understand why Roma fans are angry with him. He's been incredible. Um, but Vicario, you're right. Guess who has him in Fanta Calcio? This oh, is guy, it Rory? <laughs> he is one of the best. He's been one of the best goalkeepers in the last couple of years in Serie A. He's another player. We've talked about the production line at Empoli. He's another one that's going to get sold on for big money. And I was surprised when I heard that Bayern Munich had been in for him. But then yeah. I was like, oh, that kind of makes perfect sense, actually. Like, he's he's been like, Empoli, you're a team that, you know, they're always going to not struggle, but they're mid-table. No. They're going to concede a lot of goals. They're not going to be tight at the back, really. Exactly. But without him... It would be a lot worse and they'd be in a lot more trouble. And he's only 26 years old. I think he's a keeper that I've been really impressed with. And if you've not seen the triple save that he makes, it's mind-bending how he does it. It's incredible. So I think this is a keeper that you should be keeping an eye out on and thinking who is going to get him next. Because I think it's interesting because Inter have just got got Onana. They've got their keeper, right? Milan have got Mainian. Are Juve going to come sniffing? They need a new keeper. They need a new mm. keeper. We could see him at Juventus. I don't see any of the other bigger teams having an immediate need for a goalkeeper. Maybe Roma. Maybe Roma I don't like Patrizio yeah. hasn't been great. Maybe Roma, but I think we could see him move on soon. Sorry, Empoli, we're selling your best players again. Um, but I think <laughs> for Empoli, just one of those days, like when you can see two so early away, it, 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 it's kind of very difficult after that, isn't it? Um, yeah, but exactly. they are—they will still be absolutely fine this season. We still love you, Empoli. You've been great to watch. You and are great to watch. The le- before we leave this particular game, Baldanzi, who obviously scored mm-hmm. against yes. Inter, his ceiling seems to be growing every game I see him. He was, again, he had a few moments in this match. How far do you reckon this kid could go, Rory? I think he he's another player that people are getting very, very excited about. He's only 19 years old. Yeah, um, he's already got four goals this season, and he's like really starting mm. to kick on. In that kind of number 10 attacking midfield role, I think he's a very exciting, creative player that, mm. again, other like the other bigger teams are going to be looking at, but I think this guy's got like future uh, Italian yeah. international written all over him, I think. Um, so, and Empoli's the best place for him to be really just keep getting those minutes, yeah. keep playing and become a key player for that team. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Really glad you shouted him out. I've been enjoying him a lot as yeah. well. And of course, Marin, cause my guy he's been sick. <laughs> yes, um, exactly. But yeah, Roma win two nil in that one. Um, elsewhere. I think we need to talk about, Adam, you predicted goals. You predicted goals. So, of <laughs> course, it was a 1-0. Atalanta <laughs> finally draw a blank. You jinxed them. They finally, like, 30 goals in two games, and now they can't <laughs> score. And there was red cards all over the place. What happened here, Adam? 
Yes, um, I think it was just a case of Sassuolo were the brighter team to begin with. Mm -hmm. um, even before the major incidents happened, uh, Berardi looks very dangerous. And maybe it's just off the confidence of that win against Milan uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, certainly, they seemed more fired up. I did even say Sassuolo didn't have a particularly great window. Well, again, they proved me wrong in that stake by proving they have got players there that can do it. Lorente, who could we forget about him? I mean, fantastic shot. That's was from distance as well, like well placed. Um, Atalanta looks a shadow of their usual selves, mm -hmm. as you rightly say. There was red cards here as well. So Miller made a dangerous kind of lunge. It has to be said, probably missed times, but yeah, unfortunately, studs were showing for that particular challenge. It didn't look it at the very time, but the ref went to VAR. And obviously, red card came out. And then, obviously, we were talking offline about this, Rory. Muriel, um, I don't know what he said. He clearly said something about the referee's wife or something like that. But, yeah, he got sent off just for <sighs> saying something clearly. Um, and, yeah, that pretty much sewed up the match. And the Nero Verdi continued to uh, surprise us, I suppose, because they were a team that I thought might struggle this second half of the season, but well, with results they, they like this, were, they're pulling themselves they out. They were struggling, but now they've, yeah. they're unbeaten in their last three, so drawn 1-1-2, of course, including that incredible win against Milan. They've properly pulled themselves out of trouble, because we were talking about it, saying they're yeah. going to get sucked going to get sucked in they are now um seven points above the above uh, verona in 18th um and yeah they're looking like they're only going one way lauriente is a player that i've really like really been impressed yeah. by another great find from them they brought him from lorient um and he was kind of a team that are now pushing for europe in france <laughs> right like they're a team that have a lot of very young exciting attacking players and they got him and i think it's yeah. just an incredible signing for them he's been really really good my mate told me to pick him up in front of Calcio and I didn't. And now he's non-stop uh, scoring. It's really, really <laughs> frustrating. But it's great to see because we were worried about Sassuolo and their attacking threat. Like with Borga going and kind of them not yes, really replacing exactly. him. I was kind of and like Raspadori and Skamaka. Yeah. And you're like, Jesus Christ, you've lost guys. You need to do something. But it's going to be Fratesi next. Yeah, it won't be long. It will not yeah. be long. Um, I think it's taken him the first half of the season. But... He's found his place, he's got his form, and he's starting to kill it in Serie A. So great to see him doing really well. Love that. Uh, huge win for them. Atalanta just, yeah, the, this is the um, unpredictable Atalanta we know and love, right? You never, yeah, you exactly. ne literally never. Never boring moment. Um, <laughs> I just need to say, um, Santoria have just gone 2-1 up. Manolo oh, wow. Gaviadini brace. What timeline are we living on? <laughs> um, he scored in the 12th and 58th minute. Patania, my guy, scoring for Monza, but Sampdoria are currently Ooh. winning 2-1, which in the table, it doesn't really do much, but it does mean no. that they would be four points ahead of Cremonese and they'd be two points behind Verona. So maybe... Um, I don't know. Well, if, if they better. manage to win this, that's quite good because they've got Inter next. So, do you know if they probably could do with the points ahead of that fixture? Yeah, right? get them now. Get them now. <laughs> yeah. You need them now. Um, but yeah, 2 1 as we speak. That one. Uh, last game in Italy that we're going to cover, maybe. Um, oh, we want to talk about Orsolini, Fiorentina 1, Bologna oh, yes. 2. Course, yeah. So he's been on incredible form recently. Um, he did score from the penalty spot in this match, but. 
I did mention a few weeks ago, he was a player on form, again, sitting up, also posh for the header. Posh, uh, an Austrian, by the way, um, scored something like, I think it's four goals so far for Bologna, but two have come in the last three weeks. So Mm. he's on the rich vein of form, so very good. Uh, Fiorentina unlucky, Saponara scoring the goal. He could have had another one, came off the crossbar. One name that I have to mention, though, for Fiorentina that looks good. He could be a player that moves on, potentially uh, Gonzalez, the left-sided winger. He looks fired up at the moment. It might take a bit of a bid to tempt Fiorentina Mm -hmm. to sell him, but he looks incredible at the moment. He scored a goal against Lazio the other week. Um, The previous week, I can't remember who they placed, but again, he was fantastic in that particular match. He looks incredible. So Fiorentina, if you're looking for players at the moment, Gonzalez, there's Amrabat, obviously. I think that they could be a team, potentially, Rory. We always say this about Fiorentina. They're shaping up to be someone that might challenge next season. They They just always do this, though. They always do it. I think we're going to be saying this every year. Fiorentina, if they could just push, they would get there. Um, I think this Conference League campaign really kicked their ass at the beginning of the season. It did. Um, But... They, yeah, they're just always so bloody close, always so close. And for people confused, Orsolini in Italian means little bears, which is quite nice. <laughs> so, Mr. Little Bears, um, beautiful. And very, very finally, Lecce won 2 0. Basquetotto flexing his muscles. That guy's absolutely oh. ripped. I did not realize how big that guy is. Um, and Stefezza scores another banger. Um, he's had quite a few screamers this season um, as Cremonese's hunt for a win continues every week we're going to keep you up up to date just on what they do until they win because they (laughs) need to get one come on Cremonese for Viali do it come on just get one win I know um (laughs) nice so guys I think that said yeah for now uh Adam anything else before we leave these people for a tiny bit uh, I think just to say, Bacioretto, he's a player that's got an interesting uh, pastime. He likes to work on his farm, believe it or not. So wow. during his, well, uh, apparently, I saw this on James Horncastle. He was saying that apparently after he does training, he goes to his farm and does farming. Wow. So he's an interesting character. I don't think we'll see him in Milan anytime soon, unfortunately, because it's a bit of a trek to go down to uh, <laughs> see his farm down at Lecce, probably. But... <laughs> Wow. incredible individual he seems like uh he's well up for it so uh, I, i'd love to see him at a bigger club though one day yeah 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 i kind of love that life i kind of love that life professional <laughs> yeah. footballer slash farmer that's where you get the physique jesus christ that is like yeah, functional clearly. strength that is functional strength um but we're not going to continue going on about how big his muscles are, I promise. Um, we are going <laughs> to go for a break. Um, and after this, we're going to be talking Premier League. And yes, I will talk about Arsenal losing, I promise. But not before <laughs> we have a bit of fun. Um, so we will see you after this break, guys. I need to find the thing. I need to get used to this. Here's the transition so we can go to the break. Hi, I'm David Wheeler and you're listening to the Anglo-Italian podcast. And hello, welcome to the Premier League review. And well, it's been a busy day. It's been a busy, busy day, but it has been a terrible weekend for City as not only (laughs) do they lose 1-0 to Spurs and continue their run of not scoring at the toilet bowl, they then have news break that finally... 
their chickens mm. are coming home to roost. Um, it has been released that they have been they have broken over a hundred rules <laughs> in terms of their financial fair play in terms of declaring what money Mm -hmm. comes in what money goes out how much they paid roberto mancini there is all sorts coming out i saw a story on football italia i think it is saying that apparently he secretly agreed to get paid double what they declared they were paying him um it is delicious we've known (laughs) that this was coming for city I think the second they tried, they dared to say that they made more money than Real Madrid and Manchester United. People were like, eh, hold on a minute. I don't know yeah. if you're commercially more successful than the two biggest clubs in the world. Let's think about that. Um, I think they've overplayed their hand. What I worry about is how sturdy this case is because they are going to have the best lawyers in the world. But mm. what I think is that as the Premier League have taken four years to build this case, that hopefully their case is pretty watertight. Now, the interesting thing, Adam, yeah. before I go to you, yeah. is also they are unable to appeal at the Court of Arbitration for Sports yes. because it's within the Premier League rules. I don't know why, but they can't. So whatever the Premier League decision is, is kind of final. I think they can appeal, but it'll just go to another independent panel, another independent panel. Yes. And this is kind yeah. of where I expect it to go. It's going to be appealing for the next 10 years while they continue to break the rules. And yeah. like I think it's that is what we're going to see. But the punishments that we have seen um, kind of suggested about, include yeah. points deductions, fines, transfers, embargoes, relegations, expulsion from the league. Um yes. Anyone who has a blue top to be arrested, I think it's like it goes kind of <laughs> yeah. as extreme as they want it to. Um, but it's quite interesting. Adam, what do you, I kind of put the question on Twitter today, but what do you hope happens and what do you expect to happen? I suspect the answers might be very different. I hope there's an example being made. And mm-hmm. by that, I think we need to kind of make sure that the Premier League is being fair to the other clubs that have respectfully follow the rules um whether that means a points deduction at the beginning of next season to no, this season. This season. it could be this season <laughs> as well right um but the problem is you've got so i think it depends on the extent doesn't it because i was looking into it a bit more detail so we're talking about the 2008 or 9 to 10 season this so this was the season when mark hughes died and mm-hmm. then got replaced by mancini and i was looking at their fees that they spent that season so 108 million on players like carlos tevez adebayor roque santa cruz if you remember mm-hmm. that gem oh. um julian mescott's to name a few players that they had at the time that they signed for that particular season and then, ironically, it's also the 2017 and 18 season where a certain Pep Guardiola was in charge. So this is where it gets fascinating because Pep did say that if he found that the club had lied to him, he would instantly leave them at a heartbeat. So I, I don't know what to make of it from a City perspective. It could be bullshit anyway because he gets paid lots of money anyway. So who do you think you're signing a contract with, mate? Like, exactly. You, exactly. They've not made you their money from helping get. blind kids, if you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> like, freaking out. Yeah. But yeah, back to City. I think realistically, it will be a points deduction and a huge fine. It's got to be mm-hmm. one of those. Um, 
and it depends on what extent they go to. Um, it'd be nice to see something like a minus 15 points deduction for the next season. Or if you want it for your benefit, Roy, then this season, which would certainly make quite it a lot nice. easier for you. Certainly. Oh, God. Um, I could take a pretty big sigh of relief, but then it'd be United and it's a whole other psychological yes, thing going exactly. on. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But what about you? What, what do you think is realistically going to happen here? Um yeah, as I said, I think it's going to be a long, old process of appeals and appeals and appeals yep. and lawyering and lawyering and appeals. And I think it's going to be like the Premier League are going to might find out that they're not as powerful as they think they are. I think we're <laughs> going to. I think it's going to be quite underwhelming. What it kind of annoys me is that a lot of the top six clubs have played the rules, and a lot of yep. well, all the other Premier League clubs have played by the rules, like. From an Arsenal perspective, we were shite for years because Wenger refused to break FFP rules and he kept saying, yeah. other clubs are doing this, but I'm not doing it. We are playing yeah. by the rules. You need to make sure other people play by the rules. I think United have done it. Liverpool have done it to the point where look at look where they are now. Yeah. Like, there are clubs that are actually Spurs have trying. done it for decades, yeah. mate. Yeah, yeah. Like, actually, yeah, yeah. Before they even... <laughs> <laughs> like, they, like there's clubs actively trying to follow the rules and still being very, very good. Right. And it just, it, it shows this arrogance from the owners of not only have we got the most money, we're just going to break the rules flagrantly because fuck you. Like what are you going to do about it? And I think we've all known this about city for years, all these made up sponsors that have got an address and, Oh yeah, that's kind of my when brother. Took over the stadium as well. It. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and it's all just, section. yeah, they paid 10 million cause it's the official like, drinks coaster company in thailand or whatever if you know what i mean and it's just all this fake money pouring through the door and like what i've really enjoyed is man city fans acting like the victim and be like oh we oh yeah oh they've been waiting for an excuse to get us aren't they? <laughs> like it's taken four years what are you talking about it's taken four years for them to say i think we have a case it's not like yeah, they're just exactly. trumped up charges like you've known you've been breaking the rules we've known you've been breaking the rules it's just hopefully you're going to get your the consequences are going to face it. And if Guardiola is a man of his word, now I have certain feelings about when Guardiola expresses his words and when he doesn't and how much he means them. But yes, exactly. he could leave. I don't think he will. I think he knew full well. What we're going to get is press conferences of, I don't deal with that. I don't know about that. Yeah. Um, my job is to make the team play uh, well on a Saturday. My team, my, my job is on the training pitch. That's what we're going to get. Um, but it will be interesting to see what happens. I think it's a really big moment for the Premier League because, as you said, they have to show strength now. They have to yeah. show strength. And I think Todd Bowley might be paying very close attention to this story. Yes. Keep because an eye, this isn't going to be the first one. Uh, the yeah. last one, sorry. Yeah. And I think Newcastle, again, their owners have been very bloody clever and they've played by the rules because they, they knew that if they even put a toe out a line that the Premier yes. League was going to go at them straight away. But they've played by the rules. They've been sensible. They've done what they needed to do. And I think City, just when they came in, as you said, when they came in with that money, when they first came in, and even now it continues, they've just been breaking the rules. So I really hope they get what they deserve. I think it will be, if anything does happen, it will be next season. I think relegation yeah. would be quite funny, but I can't see it happening. No, I, um, I think it will be a points deduction and maybe a transfer embargo. It'll be like, I think Tom, friend of the show, said transfer embargo for three years, which will then be reduced to one. Um, yeah, and possibly. I think it'll be something like that. But big weekend for City fans. 
but mm. bigger weekend for Spurs fans as they are stuck in the quandary of beating Man City but helping Arsenal. And I did see a lot of Spurs fans on Twitter being like, God damn it, I'm glad we won that, am I? And there's <laughs> yeah. a lot of it, like, honestly, I've never been so nervous checking a Spurs result, just being like, come on, you useless bastards, hold on, <laughs> hold on. After they went 2-0 up last time and threw it away, I was worried. But, Adam, what is this record that City have against Spurs, and why did Guardiola not play Kane for Kevin De Bruyne? I don't understand. Uh, it's, it's a bizarre one, isn't it? In terms of records, they haven't won for, I think it was the last season that's, or before Aguero decided to retire. So if you remember mm-hmm. that far back, so um, it's been a while. Um, but yeah, in terms of the way Man City set out, I don't think necessarily it was a bad squad. You know, they still had quality on there. They seem to be really persistent on the style, which I think is really hurting them. At the moment, they can't get Haaland into the match. It was kind of uh, shown in terms of the analysis that there's a few times Haaland's just waiting to run onto a long ball, Mm -hmm. but they don't play like that. They do not do a direct ball to him or into that space, into the channels. And that's probably where Spurs could have been exploited, especially with that back line. But you have to give it its due, Rory. I mean... Spurs looked a different side to what we've seen recently. Um, they seemed quite solid. They were kind of pressing the front lines. I've never seen Son as good as he has been this season. That was probably one of his better yeah. games. He's had a really and, bad season, but that was a good performance. Yeah, Hoiberg had a fantastic match. Um, Eric Dyer, I'm not his biggest fan, but again, he he was his kind of force in terms of the pressure that created that goal. Um so, yeah, it turned out to be an easy victory, it felt like at times. I appreciate there was moments where Man City had the opportunities like Mares hitting the crossbar. Um, but I never felt like at any time Man City kind of threatened enough to kind of cause Tottenham any troubles. You know, like we've been crying out, just get the ball towards Lloris and you might cause some issues. And it never happens. Um, yeah. And it, it feels like Man City are a bit lost at the moment. They don't know how to play. They're not cre- they're not a side that are used to having a striker. It does feel like that at the moment. It's it's such a loaded phrase the way people are putting it. Like, has Holland made City worse? It's such he a loaded phrase. It's really annoying because the guy is like mm. got twenty five goals. Yeah. What it is is they are adjusting to how they have to play with him. Yeah. Like it's exactly. just that's what it is. They're having to change their philo- They're having to change their style. It takes time. I thought it like City would pick it up quicker than this. I'll be yeah. honest. I do still think their defense is crazy. Like when you look at their defense, like that is not as strong. No, it's defense. Not. I don't know if I take any of their defenders over the over what Arsenal have got in defense. I think maybe I don't know. Really, I don't know if I, I think Kanji's had a very good season. He's been a lot considering better considering the circumstances. Yeah, yeah because he's we saw how poor he was at Dortmund. And yeah. he wasn't a player that I'd necessarily go, yeah, bring him in. He'll reinforce yeah, yeah, your yeah. defence. But like you say, like I feel like they need transitioning in terms of their defence as well. Because when Laporte comes in, I don't feel necessarily like he's solid enough. Like, I, And that sounds weird, but I think they're missing Diaz. They're missing Diaz well, and, in the but middle even of the park. Diaz has been off it for a bit as well. And you're like... I, don't, I know he's had injuries and he's been like, yeah, yeah. and I just think I was looking at the defense when we played him in the FA Cup, and I know we didn't score, so probably their defense was good. But like, I was looking and I was like, I don't know, I, 
I'm taking our defenders over them. And I think Nathan Ake has been outstanding at left back, but he's not a left back. No, like they've just let Cancelo go in this weird. I I understand mm, if he's like saying he's yeah. bigger than the club, etc. You need to move him on, but him next to Kevin De Bruyne, he was your biggest creative threat. Like yeah. maybe sometimes you just got to go. Look, you're gone in the summer, but. Like, if you know what I mean, like, I'll get you your move in the summer. Just keep your head down until now because they're lacking that creativity now. And we saw it yesterday. Like, and then when you don't start Kevin De Bruyne, where's that creativity coming from? Jack Grealish is very, is a great player, but he doesn't hit big numbers in goals and assists. He says that himself. Mm, That's not his yeah. job. That's not why they bought him. Like, yeah. Bernardo Silva's been off the boil and kind of played in a few different positions. His head is turned at the slightest look from Barcelona. It seems like every transfer window, it's like Bernardo Silva's going. So I think where is this creative spark for them? And I think Spurs just handled it incredibly well. Yeah. I also have to say, Emerson Royale, thank you. Just thank you. I thought you were <laughs> absolute pony. And he's just put in an unbelievable performance against City. Man of the match, completely shut down that wing. Unbelievable performance. I think what we saw, and Arsenal had the same thing, teams like this still have mental psychological weaknesses. Arsenal haven't won at Goodison Park for fucking ages. Damn. And City haven't won at the Spurs Stadium. You can see that it's just like, sometimes it's all up here. It's grating on them. Up yeah, here. Um, so City can a bottle it. Spurs don't. And it was, it made what was a crap weekend quite a good weekend. Um, mm. I was like, oh, I'll take that. If this is our first loss since September, but then City lose as well. Cool. Yeah. I can take that all day. That's absolutely <laughs> fine. Moving on to the next one. Um, but yeah, we will keep an eye on City. Um, Joe Spagnoli, friend of the show. How are we doing, mate? Jumps in with watches the Premier League, makes a half-hearted example of City at home, but does everything in their power to protect their asset in Europe. Corruption breeds corruption. I think you're pretty spot on there. They will mm -hmm. still want that presence overseas they don't want the premier league brand being uh denigrated do they they cannot no. afford that but um we're going to move on in the premier league we're going to leave sitter there and the story that we do need to talk about i'm going to talk about it if i can find him um daish is back <laughs> in the most <laughs> daish performance ever as Dwight <laughs> McNeil, Tarkovsky and any other ex-players of his um, yeah. stand out massively for Everton as they finally show a bit of bollocks and they run about yeah. and do a job. And they do. on Andre, not Andre Anana, he's the one who plays for Inter. Andre Omar, AU. Anana? Anana for Everton. I can't remember oh, his yeah. first Anana. name. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Unbelievable performance. Yeah. <laughs> Who the frig is this guy? Box to box, all over the place, yeah. breaking tackles, running with the ball, creating problems. I was like, Christ, there is a player there. Yes. Like when we Sasha Tavalieri in the pre-World Cup for Belgium, yes. we were yeah. talking about he's a player that you need to keep an eye on. He's the next big player for Belgium. He was unbelievable at the weekend. Um, Cody and Tarkovsky, can you imagine a better centre-back partnership for Daesh? Like he's absolutely <laughs> it. Um, Iwobi had a great game. I think him being in that number eight midfield role, I didn't see it, but on and off, he's been pretty good for Everton. I think Everton fans in general would say he's been one of their better players over the last yeah. few years. Um, if Daesh can get him back to like his best, I think he's a great player. I think Everton just fully deserved the win. Like, no complaints. They just deserved mm. the win. Like, we they did. Like, Arsenal just, I, I think I said to you off, off mic, after we didn't score after about 20 minutes, I think the mm. players were just like, ah, oh, 
we've been here before and it's just not happening. We need to get better at breaking down low blocks and that 4-5-1, we just need to get better at it. We weren't moving the ball quickly enough. We weren't being decisive enough. Um, and Nketiah snatched a few shots. Erdogan, oh, was yeah. completely, like, Erdogan was completely marked out of the game. I think Daesh has kind of shown a blueprint there of how to beat Arsenal or at least how to get something against Arsenal. Mm. And Arteta needs to go back now and go, right, what do we need to do about this? Because this is what Brentford are going to do now. This is yeah. what every team below us are just going to turn up and do that. And I think that is a that is a concern. But I don't want to talk about Arsenal too much. <laughs> Still five points clear. It's fine. But <laughs> Everton, outstanding. And like this is exactly what we expected from Daesh, right? Yeah, we did. And I, I feel he kind of brought it back to basics with Everton. Just made sure that they were tight, compact. But when they did counter-attack... They made sure that they got balls into the box, which was mm. interesting because I don't know about you, but there was a lot of aerial shots around how they played and Arsenal seemed very narrow for some yeah, strange very, reason. Very. They were very narrow, so they're almost very compact in the middle, but on the wings, they had nothing to offer. Mm. And I think that almost kind of spells how the game was going to go because they realised that there was an opportunity, essentially, going down those wings, cutting in the ball a few times, crossing it and... Like I said to you offline as well, the likes of Calvert-Lewin just seemed to be, if he was on form, would have taken at least two of those opportunities and Arsenal's defenders were all over the place. They were shaky. They didn't know what to do. Like you say, in the middle of the park, they seem a bit lost. Odegaard lost it a good few times, but they clearly kind of made it a point of targeting him to make sure he didn't yeah. have any time yeah, yeah, on the ball. Yeah. And that was incredible. Um, but I, I think almost... Arteta was found out as well there. I think he maybe misread it and thought he could just outplay Everton on that occasion. Almost feel like maybe he should have gone a bit more defensive in that midfield. Um, essentially, mm. you know, got someone a bit more experienced to maybe soak it up for at least the 60, 70 minutes and then bring off someone like an older guard to change it up potentially. Mm -hmm. You know, that would have maybe frustrated Everton a bit more. Um, but like you say, off, off day for Enketia. Saka, I think he tried, but he couldn't really get into the game at he, times. Like, I'm, I know I'm such a yeah. Saka apologist, but he still had like five key passes and three chances created. And he that wasn't a great performance from him. No. Like the whole game, I was like, he needs to get in this game. He needs to get in this game. And it was, a, it was the same, sorry, against City in the FA Cup as well. I was like, Saka's yeah. been incredibly quiet. But even when he's quiet, he does do things. But I think, yeah, it was a very, very quiet performance from him. Mm. Mikalenko was unbelievable. I I really like him as a player, Mikalenko. I yes. think yeah. when he first came into Everton, I was like, There's, there is something about that lad. And I think he's been part of a completely chaotic defence. But the way he runs up and down that left wing. Yeah, his he's defensively solid. Yeah, defensively, he's just he's solid. He's very good. And I think he's just a very, very good wing back. I really like him. And he was he was fantastic against Saka the whole day. I think with the wings at Arsenal, it's interesting because we've been praised for Zinchenko cutting in and making that four-man yeah. field. <clears throat> Sorry, but what we saw was Saka gets supported by Ben White, but Martinelli gets supported by no one because Zinchenko doesn't do that role. So if Zinchenko doesn't isn't know. able to overlap, it's Martinelli on his own. And Martinelli was really quiet as well. He had a few moments yeah. where he got past Coleman or he managed to cut inside and make a few chances. But I think what we need is like, I don't know, Zinchenko to also be doing the other bit. And I think if he's cutting in too much, it we just it leaves that whole left wing open. And so I think it was, was that a, a game for problem. Tierney, for example? Was that a I think it could have been swap it out? Yeah. I think I think it could have been. And maybe this is where 
Arteta again, and I don't like Jesus. I never thought I'd be saying this. A year supporting Arsenal, I was sick of not knowing what the team was going to be, and now we mm. know exactly what the team's going to be, and I love that. Yeah. But I also think that maybe there are games where you go, okay, Zinchenko is good for this game, Tierney's good for this game. I think Tierney yeah. is still an outstanding left back, defensively great. He yeah. hasn't got maybe the he's not as technically good as Zinchenko, but I think in a game like that where he can just overlap with Martinelli or support yeah. Martinelli a bit more, it could have given us a different dimension. Um, but just an off day for Arsenal. Honestly, yeah, I yeah. think Twitter was always going to be reactionary, and it's our first loss in September the twenty fifth. Like, I I prayed for days like this. Like, I'm yeah. absolutely fine. <laughs> like, it's. Fine, we'll take it. Brentford at home next. Just got to make sure we win the next one. That's all. Just got to make exactly. sure we win the next one. Exactly. Um, but no real complaints. For Dyche, I was actually happy to see him do well. I was really like, as as much as it was against mm. Arsenal, I was like, yes, good, mate. Yeah. I hope you kind of show that you can play other football as well. Because that team, there's a lot of footballers in that team. And you could yeah. really start playing some nice stuff there. And I hope I hope they do it. Um, I do hope they do it. And I think that appointment could keep them up and could save Mashiri's life, really. Um, I think that appointment does keep him up. But while he joins Everton, we're looking at two other clubs who should have appointed him. Um, <laughs> as Nathan Jones sets his career on fire and Jesse Marsh is already back on the red-eye flight back to the US of A. Um, yeah. Let's start with Nathan Jones. Are Southampton doomed? What was that press conference about? It sounded like a very much a David Brent-esque kind of mm. like conference where he kind of lauded himself up as being the best coach in Europe, I think was the way he phrased it. Um, oh, so just to kind of pull out the um, paragraph in particular, it, I've been very successful playing a fluent style. Um, Luton were a real aggressive front-footed side. Statistically, there weren't many better than me around in Europe in terms of aggressiveness, clean sheets, de uh, defending the box, balls in the box, XG, all those sort of things. I, I was just a bit complex by those kind of mannerisms. As we spoke offline, Rory, there has been rumours of the players not necessarily digging into him. Nathan Jones has got a habit of being a bit arrogant. He did it when he was at Luton. I remember the days when Wickham played against him and he said Wickham were just a bunch of cheats that didn't know how to play football. And he, he doesn't take defeat very kindly, shall we say. Graciously. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And he has got this side to him. Unfortunately, maybe this level, and as was found out with Stoke, maybe there's a certain style of club that he just doesn't really understand mm -hmm. the ethos. And maybe he only works in Bedfordshire, in Luton, to be fair. Maybe that's the only place he works because he hasn't really proved it anywhere else at the moment in time. Um, but it did seem like a bit of a weird appointment. I kind of gave him the benefit of a doubt last week's pod. I think I felt like maybe if there's a manager that goes down, He's got potential to bring them up. But now it just sounds like the players aren't on sides. They could be even more worse defeats. And I spoke to you, Rory. James Ward-Prowse kind of said, normally in a Southampton team, there's always a few ex-pros or pros with you that are experienced, that know how to pull themselves out of this kind of circumstance. At this moment in time, he reflected, there aren't there at the club. So this doesn't look like 
there's going to be fun times ahead for Southampton at this moment in time. So that I think we can safely say they are going to be down and out of this Premier League this season. Yeah, well, they it's really damning, isn't it? I think some yeah. of the quotes where he said there's certain players that need to be played because they're like they're at the club and like suggesting that they're the problem, not him, and he's had to um, he's had to uh, sacrifice his beliefs and had to like yeah. kind of compromise and just a little bit like oh you are you know you're done if you're saying this because you're throwing your players under the bus exactly. massively. There's no way you say that and expect your job to be safe on Monday. <laughs> um, very very strange comments. The thing is. For Luton Town, now I know Rob Edwards, formerly of Forest Green, I want to say. as well, Um, yeah. Yeah, he is doing very well at Luton. They Mm -hmm. are currently fourth in the the championship. And I know he's only had 11 games, but they are currently averaging 2.09 points per game, whereas Nathan Jones averaged 1.49. Now, again, that's a very small um, kind of sample space. But Rob Edwards is doing a very good job at Luton and keeping them in the championship as well. So maybe it wasn't, not even keeping them in the championship, pushing them to the Premier League. So maybe it wasn't all down to Nathan and it could have been the squad as well. Um, So yeah, interesting to see. Mm. Honestly, Nathan Jones, we hardly knew ye. You're going to be gone before (laughs) I even realised you were here, really, which is a bit mad. And I think this appointment has cost Southampton their place in the Premier League. And as I saw the post, I saw like Southampton um, on Twitter, they posted Summit, and I thought, oh, I best check the replies. And all the replies were just <laughs> Jones out, Jones out, Jones out. The same yeah, picture. They hate him. Spanned. I was like, wow. Yeah, the fans fucking mm. despise you, mate. You have done so well to make people hate you that quickly. Um, mm. And it'll be interesting to see where he gets a job next because that is not a good audition for anywhere, really. No. Um, but. Managers who are leaving, but I quite liked this one. The second <laughs> Leeds fans started calling him Yank Lampard. I think it was, was definitely it. done. Game over. Um, some fantastic grown men scenes outside the city ground as the Leeds fans started fucking trying to kick off on the Forest fans. Really pathetic stuff. Quite funny to watch. Um, Jesse Marsh, he's gone. I find this really odd. Now, I know that his record hadn't been very good at Leeds, right? They are kind of right bang in trouble um they're currently yeah on level points with everton in 18th everton very much looking like they're on the rise leeds maybe not but leeds definitely took a massive lean towards the red bull leipzig the red bull style right yeah they took a huge lean towards it all the signings were very Red Bull signings. Yeah. Like, and you're going, oh, okay, right. They've got, like, they're just going to become Red Bull leads, but they can't be called Red Bull leads because there will be a riot <laughs> in West Yorkshire. Yeah, of course. But would be. It would be like, that's the kind of, okay, that's what they're doing. Apparently not. They've sacked him. Mm. Um, do you, right. One, do you think he was harshly treated uh, or do you think he deserved it? On reflection, I think he was harshly treated to an extent in terms of I don't think he necessarily got the love from the Leeds faithful. Mm -hmm. I think they kind of saw him trying to impose his style and maybe not necessarily giving it a chance. But that said, I think there were already signs to say that the performances haven't been great. Mm -hmm. Um, He's persistent on a certain style that wasn't winning them games. 
there seems to be still a bit of love for Bielsa. And I, I did allude to this. I think they still got this side effects of they expect that man on the bucket to be on the sidelines and he's not there at the moment. And I think they kind of would rather go down in that kind of style, it seems. Well, they always said that. What, every every Leeds fan this I ever saw were like, yeah. I, I would rather go down with Bielsa than stay up with anyone else. Exactly. Which means I, I feel like... It's going to be hard for them, whoever goes in now, because mm. it, it just get did speculate. Back. Just get him back. Just bring He's going to say he wants the under 21 job, though, Rory. Yeah, He's not going to yeah. want the first team job. Yeah, I'll coach the kids for five years and then I'll come back. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. But by all accounts, Rory, it does sound like his uh, previous one of his coaches during his time, Carlos Cobaran, who was. Oof. Formerly of Huddersfield Town, almost got them into Premier League, and he is doing it for West Bromwich Albion at this moment in time. Um, and it seems like it's written in the stars for him to return to Ellen Road and potentially introduce a bit of Bielsa Ball. But let's take that with a pinch of salt. Cobaran is definitely the opposite of Bielsa Ball. He's a lot more pragmatic. He mm. will play a bit more defensively, and. It, you know, maybe the old 60s style leads will return with that style. However, I think he will get the best out of those players because I think Jesse Marsh, he's laid the foundations of a young, you know, hardworking side, right? I think they're just lacking a bit of quality and maybe a bit of confidence. I mean, I don't know what you think, but they've got the quality, right? We've been uh, talking about mm-hmm. Noto, we've been talking about Weston McKenney, how that's a good signing for them, for example. Bamford's just come back uh, from his bad injury and he just needs a bit more game time to get that confidence. Um, again, I, I feel that there is something there, but they just need a few more additions. That's the problem. I don't think necessarily Marsh got those additions through the door. I think what they need to do is settle the side. I think what they mm. need to do is like just... Right, this is the squad we've got. Now, what do we do with them? Because it yeah. feels like there's a lot of like ideas in that squad now. There's like the hangover from Bielsa and the players that would die for that man and were very yeah. much drilled to one style of football. Yeah. And like, regardless whether you were 6 0 up or 6 0 down, that is what you do. And then they've got now this Red Bull influence. Philosophy, and I think now yeah. someone needs to look at that squad. They need a manager who can just look at the squad and go, right. What do these do well? Let's just do that. Mm. And then we can start figuring out from there. I just think it needs to settle for a bit and it needs to be like a clear idea and use the players that you've got because it feels like they've been bringing in players and selling players at quite a high rate at the minute. Leeds, it always feels like this player's leaving, players going, players leaving, players going. And I think they just need a pragmatic manager. So maybe Carlos Cobran is the kind of guy who's pragmatic and just be like, look, you're good at this. We're good at this. We're bad at that. So we're not doing that. We're good at this. So we're doing this. And I think that's kind of what they need. I, I would be interested to see if Cobran would leave. As you said, recently joined uh, West Brom, doing incredibly well there. Mm. Um, he's had 27 matches, won 15, drawn five, lost seven. So doing pretty, pretty well. No, sorry. West Brom, 13 matches, one ten, lost three. So a little bit feast or famine, but mostly yeah. feast. Um, mm. And they do currently find themselves up in sixth. So they're in the playoff spots. 
And they were a team that were worrying about going down. So he has made absolute performing yeah. miracles there. So incredible to see. It would be, I'd be gutted for West Brom fans if he jumped at the first opportunity. So I think maybe Leeds do need to look elsewhere a little bit. But again, I think he'd be a good addition for Leeds. Mm. It'll be interesting to see who they do get. As we said, both these clubs should have gone for Daesh. Why didn't they go for <laughs> Daesh? Uh, we all said it. Everyone was saying it. Everyone yeah. was saying it. Um, Elsewhere in the Premier League, very quickly, because I do realize we're running over time quite a bit. Um, mm. I wanted to very quickly say Lopetegui at Wolves. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I said when he came in, I was like, I don't know if this guy's any good. People keep telling me he's good, but I've not seen anything to prove it. <laughs> and now they're on 20 points. They're only two points ahead of the relegation zone, but they do seem to be getting a bit of form together. Yeah. Battered Liverpool. Okay, it's Liverpool currently. Yeah, of but course. Batter them. Ruben Neves mm. claiming the Rashford celebration. It was <laughs> mine, right? Um, beautiful to see. I think Lopetegui is going to keep him up, right? Yeah, I think there's a confidence there already. They've got over the effects of Bruno Liage. And um, certainly he seems to be instilling a bit more kind of nous about them, especially when it comes to games. I feel like... They're a lot more confident about the way they're going about the games. The fact that he's getting a tune out of Adama Traore kind of tells its own story as well because he was a player that was low on confidence, just come back from a loan spell at Barcelona where he thought it was going to be made into permanent. Never happened, obviously. I think he was on a bit of a downer. And I think that there's some promising signs for Wolves fans. Just generally, I think, I think they'll be safe. That's that's for certain. I think they are pretty much safe. I appreciate it's still too early to say that, but I feel like if they carry on with this kind of form going into the games, I think they'll pull themselves out of that kind of relegation battle. And then you could see them pushing on maybe next season um, because you, you will probably say that they will get a few more additions into that squad in the summer. And then who knows what could be achieved. Maybe a push for the Euro spots because... You know, I think I was saying this on Saturday. I feel Nevis is a player that should be playing at a bigger club. And I, I suspect that if he, if Wolves do struggle, then I could see him fitting in nicely for a top six club at this moment in time. He would not look out of place at Arsenal, Man United, etc. I could see him Liverpool, doing a hell of a job. Liverpool could yeah. massively do with him. Like yeah, they should exactly. be throwing a lot of money at him. He's one of the best nah. midfielders in the league, this and you it. need midfielders. Um, I think it really was a bit of a stark um, realisation watching that performance against Liverpool. I was like, oh, damn, you're watching what you need. Exactly. That's what you need right there. Um, but yeah, f- incredible for Wolves. I really, I like having them in the Premier League. I really like having them in the Premier League. So I'm happy that they're doing well again. I do want to also very quickly say, sorry, we completely went over Forest. Forest, yes. we've just we just kind of slagged off Dismissed uh, it. Southampton. <laughs> But or Leeds even sorry they're now unbeaten in five three wins in the last five that contract extension for Steve Cooper looked mental when they were bottom of the league but they knew exactly <laughs> what they were doing it's an incredible turnaround in form for them he's definitely getting this squad together definitely yeah. doing bits and we have to say for Brentford as well incredible three 0 win against Southampton like Southampton exactly you know you still have to put those balls in Brentford on their day can absolutely batter teams and they battered Southampton. So I just wanted yes, to give them their flowers because I realised we just talked about we those teams being terrible <laughs> as if they didn't lose against somebody. Um, and I think the last Premier League game, um, maybe penultimate because I've just seen West Ham, that we're going to talk about 
is, and I'm kind of gutted that Andy isn't here. Casemiro is a fucking loose cannon. <laughs> you never know <laughs> yeah. what you... He's an incredible player, right? Yes. Okay, fine, United fans. He's the best midfielder in the league, whatever. But he's been sent off twice already and yeah. in quite short succession. And he could miss the Carabao Cup final now because he grabbed someone around the throat with both hands. What? Yeah. For someone who was meant to come in for the experience and the winner and, you know, the calm head. And yeah, the, yeah, yeah. It's not really the vibes you want, is it? No, it's not. Um, there is a case to say, obviously, from a different angle, it doesn't look like he is actually strangling Will Hughes. However, you do not raise your hands in that manner regardless. So, therefore, it's a sending off. Contrary to what Andy said on our WhatsApp group, which I was, like, completely baffled. I was going to share said. the screenshot as well, you know. I was just going to yeah. put it on Twitter. Like, I think we should this? just do it at the end of this, like, <laughs> like episode, I think. Um, but, yeah, for some reason, he had it in his head that, that they should have just carried on and just called it handbags, basically. And it was just like, no, mate, you can't call it that. You can't. Just Not when you raise it in that. Just crazy. But yeah, I, I can see the argument to say well, if you look at it from a different angle, he's not actually doing it. However, just don't raise your arms like that then. He doesn't need to do that. Just push him in the, the bloody chest. Yeah. You don't need he should to go be, by his throat. Like he should be more experienced than that. He should be more yes. kind of uh, smart, more yeah, <laughs> more, more clever than that. Um, but you have to say, good win for United. It looked nervy at the end. Their second goal yes. was a beautiful move. Really, Ten Hag doing absolute bits at United. Mm. They really are starting to look good again. God damn it. Um, they yeah. are looking very, very good. Great for them to hang on. Patrick Vieira just cannot get any level of consistency at Palace. It really is no. just proper schizophrenic team. You just do not know what is going to happen. I think they're um, crying out for investment, though, in that January mm. transfer window. I saw a lot of Crystal Palace fans were not happy. Uh, Kurt, who's a good fan of the show, yeah, obviously, my guy. he was this kind of just saying, where's the investment? Where's the ambition? Why, why are we not spending money on mm -hmm. players? And, you know, I'm sure they look at Lakonga and kind of go, yeah, he'll be a good midfielder, but he's not the answer of what their problems are at the moment for Palace. They need strikers. They need some school <laughs> goals the at the moment. I'll tell you now. He's, he's definitely not, not. He's not the answer. But, yeah, um, it's unfortunate. Yeah, it is unfortunate. Elsewhere in the Premier League, very quickly, I just want to give a uh, quick shout-out for um, Aguerd for West Ham. It's the first time I've yeah. probably watched him. Yes. And bloody hell, he was fantastic. Not only was it that great tackle um, on Callum Wilson towards the end of the game, I thought he was just outstanding. I thought it just what a yeah. classy defender. Just really... Like, you know, West Ham had an awful start to this game. They conceded one. It got called off for the ball going out of play. Yeah. Then they conceded straight away afterwards. Like, West Ham did not switch on. Um, and I thought, oh, God, this could get ugly. This could get ugly. Yeah. But I think after that goal, West Ham were pretty much the better side. I think West mm. Ham could have won the game. Newcastle definitely saw some chances. But I think West Ham were, like, kind of back to old West Ham a little bit. And I was like, oh, okay, they this were. is what we're used to seeing from them. And I just wanted to say Aguerd was incredible. And Declan Rice absolutely ran this game. He just in midfield, what a mm. player he is. But Aguerd was just fantastic. So, yeah, wanted to give him his flowers. Did you catch yeah. any of this game? I saw the highlights, so I can't say I watched the whole mm. match. But again, it did look like at the end, uh, West Ham had them on the ropes. Uh, Nick Pope, I seem to recall having to make a few saves as well to bail them mm. out as well. But yeah, like you say, Aguerd, 
He's been doing that for f- past few matches. It has to be said, I've mm-hmm. been watching Tom's timelines for the last few weeks and it seems like he gets called up quite regularly. Yeah. So I think this isn't just a one-off. Being, yeah. I think they've just been waiting for him to have a run in this team. And it certainly looks like, potentially by the fact of Craig Dawson's been moved off to Wolves, which I missed completely. Such a weird um, one because Dawson was amazing for the West Ham, and I think West Ham fans were genuinely upset that he left. He was like one exactly. of the best signings in the last couple of years in the Premier League, honestly. For like they got yeah. him for free, and he was outstanding for him. Um, but yeah, Aguero just really, really impressed. So I wanted to kind yeah. of give him a quick shout out. But I think that is all of the Premier League as I'm looking through now. Um, oh, also, bloody hell, Leicester, 4-2 I mean, yeah. away four two, to yeah. um, Villa. Absolutely massive. Harry Suto with an own goal on his Premier League debut. That's unfortunate. Um, yes, but-, but Tyrone Mings did make up for it by uh, showing how to defend and letting Leicester forwards just score past him. So, yes, that was <laughs> yeah. incredible to watch. How that guy has got England caps, I do not know. And a special yeah, word for Matoma. Matoma scores again for Brighton. Just we bought our stocks early, Adam. No, we did. That we bought our stocks early. They yep. are coming in. He's now. in my we fancy bought... team. Yeah, the money. It, yeah, that's it. every time I'm like, Matoma, Matoma, goal, 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 goal. My guy, yes, absolutely killing it. We got in there early. He is fantastic. But that is all the Premier League matches. Um, is there midweek action? I feel like there's FA Cup stuff and um. What's the midweek action this week? Oh, I, I have not looked, so I'm afraid we are that disorganised. I know, it's been a long um, Monday, guys. We have got um, tomorrow scro- Salernitana versus Juventus and then Premier League action. As you do say, there is FA Cup replays as well, but FA Cup, or in the Premier League, should I say Man United versus Leeds on Wednesday, which could be an interesting one for us to preview or review, should we say. Yeah. Um, I can't see much other than that, though, because no, Fulham taking on Sunderland. So, yes, it is Friday, and that gives us a perfect opportunity to preview because we also see Milan taking on Torino. So that could be God, a that, tasty That gap match. could get closer. That gap that could, be could get closer very, very quickly. It's going to be interesting, guys. We are going to leave it there. Thank you, viewers, for joining us. Thank you, listeners, for joining us. Um, Adam, anything to say before I send them off? No, not a great episode. Cannot wait to uh, talk more on Thursday. Beautiful. So as always, guys, follow us on Twitter at Italian Anglo Pod, on Instagram at Anglo Italian Pod. Follow us or subscribe on YouTube um, at the Anglo Italian Pod. And we will, this is so not smooth, we will see you <laughs> on Friday. Bye, guys. See you later. Podcast Network.